Good evening and happy Friday wrestling fans. Welcome back to another edition of Georgia Wrestling History TV Talk on the Georgia Wrestling History Radio Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Kenny J, here with John Stoney Cannon. And we're sitting here tonight again with music promoter Mike Garrett. Hello. And um, high school coach and former wrestling referee Will Wheeler. Hello. All right. Go we ahead. even we even got the dog with us too. Oh yeah. What's the dog's name? Woof woof. His name is Mister. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very simple, Mister. You will hear him before. This, this is so. This is officially an all guy thing. Yeah. Not like our. Not like uh, one of our upcoming GCW video things we got coming up where it's like. Ladies' night. Yes, and, and you all see that uh, this coming Monday, I believe. That's right. You guys, you guys should watch that. It's pretty exciting. Kenny here gets really excited. His childhood crush, Magnificent Moolah, is featuring on the side twice, <laughs> yeah. twice on the show. It's pretty hot. It's pretty smoking. Nothing but chicks. It's awesome. Definitely, yeah. definitely. We're going to kick off the show with some uh, this day in wrestling. Got a little bit of uh, trivia and whatnot for you. Uh, how about you lead us into that, Will? Sure, I'd be glad to. We have birthdays today. Uh, Jeff Jarrett and uh, Bubba Ray Dudley are birthdays today. Oh, nice. We have some, some funny spellings. We have some broken glasses, broken guitars. Just all kinds of cool all birthday right. stuff. Yeah. So you want to sing happy birthday to either one of them? I mean, not by myself. Oh. <laughs> well, this is, I don't know. This is a little bit too guy this is too much of a Mr. episode just to, for just us imagine to sing the, uh, Happy Birthday. Yeah, they can just imagine the Happy Birthday song. Yeah. So, uh, so maybe we, you know, hey, here's what we'll do. Last time, um, you missed this, I think, but last time we threw out a page birthday lap dance to everybody. Oh, okay. So, who, is, who, who are we going to throw a lap dance out front to everybody, to Jeff and... Let's do Carmella. Let's do Carmella. Carmella. Yeah, let's do Carmella. Man. Really? I just want to say um, that, that, that's a, that seems like a, that seems like almost like giving somebody an empty birthday card right there. Well, Kevin Nash, he, he personally called me and said, "Keep your fucking page lap dance." Oh, nice! All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I got a call from another old school wrestler too. I think it was uh, the Tennessee stud Ron Fuller told me, he "Goes, son, keep the page lap dance coming. I love it." <laughs> oh man! Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean. You know, I'm waiting for Tommy Wildfire Rich's birthday so we can send him a, not so much a lap dance, but more like a teenager bend over, crack off the ass kind of uh, nice wish. That'd be... He's probably still under that. There you go, yeah. So, yeah. And I think he's on the Austin Idol podcast was interviewing him today. I think today, if I'm not mistaken. Tommy Wildfire Rich? Yeah, he's on on the Austin... Oh, that should be... That should be... He's on the Austin Idol podcast. I'm sure Austin Aries will probably start doing one soon. Hey, you know, wildfire! That would he not be a cool host? Uh, be hey, cool. everybody, come in on my show, man! <laughs> everybody, say a little something about wildfire. Hell yeah, man! We got Camaros and all kinds of crap. Look, my hair's still blonde. It's good. I can't believe it's still there, man. Yeah, that is how it's awesome. For anybody that that refers back to YouTube after listening to this show, go listen to like I don't know how you would search for it in YouTube, but it's a random fan. 
that says, Barry, I love you, I love you, thinking he's Barry Wyndham. And in that voice, he kind of just goes off. And it was so <laughs> nice to the three people in front of that person that you would have never thought. Good video. Nice. We'll try to pull that up. So apparently uh, something uh, something will uh, happen pretty big uh, in history on this day, back in the day, too. Um, night, July 14th, 1991, Lex Luger wins his first WCW world title, beating Barry Windham in a tournament final. Hey, all right. Nice, nice. So... So uh, you had one guy winning his first title, one guy with yeah, okay wrestling skills, yeah. beating a pretty which event was that? Pretty good wrestler. I think it was Great American Bash. I was gonna say. I think we talked about that. Yeah, this time this time yeah. of year, it's all about the Great American Bash. That's right, you know man. That? It it all, that. Everything points back to Great American Bash. July. All, all year long, it should be about the Great American. Bash. It should at least exactly in America. Every now and then, some Starcade, but Great American Bash. There you go. Yeah. So. Well, you know what I always liked about that? I mean, if it's wrestling good, bash. I mean, there's so many connotations, you know what I mean? I mean, especially when you watch, like, the shoot interviews, because all they do is bash people. Yeah, that's it. That's all you people know. click on the link for. So. And, and then there, and there's Bastion Booger. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I not heard that name in a minute. So, 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 really, it's Lex Luger. What's the big deal, Will? I mean, it's the first world title, Lex Luger, his first world title. Uh, they were, I think, leaning in that direction for him to carry the, the company. I think it was his time. And uh, Flair, I think, it was scheduled to drop the title, but there was some issues with Flair had with the management, you know. So it was like, I think Dusty or Ole or whatever was like, we got to put the title on Lex Luger, if you will. So we got to put the title on him. So what we're going to do is the belt is with Flair. So we're going to... Uh, I'm gonna have to make this quick belt, so we're gonna when Lou revisits him, he's gonna win it. He's gonna have to get the belt and run out the ring quickly, if you will. And uh, we're gonna set him up with a manager by the name of Holly Race. There you go. Yeah, that was true. He did come out with Harley Race. It might have been he came during the middle of the match and he said, "Bring that package." So, which created the Lex Luger pile driver as the finish. Nice. As a kid, I remember Lex Luger being like the first cut as hell, dude. You know, just. Freak, 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 freak. Oh, come on. You didn't consider Dusty cut? I did. You mean the chewing it back in his mouth or cut? <laughs> what do you, you mean? Know. Like long he, cut, wintergreen cut? He was round. He was round. <laughs> nah, everybody loves Dusty, though, because he got it done. Oh, Dusty gosh, was yes. a man. I mean, he could draw crowds. I, I can tell you, you know, oh, so much. We had, we had like those two years where like everybody passed away. Music, everything, and I got to tell you, the one person that passed away that really, really, really knocked me down for about a month was when Dusty passed away. Oh my gosh, Roddy Piper. Yes. He that knocked yeah. me down because yeah. I grew up on the rock and wrestling. I grew up on the Piper's Pit. I grew up on I grew up on all that. Let's be honest, there wouldn't be a WrestleMania one or two if it wasn't for Roddy Piper. Oh my gosh, yes. Man, Hulk Hogan would have never had as good a heel with anybody else. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I remember good. reading like other wrestlers like comments and you know, just you know, memories and stuff of of Roddy Piper and it was just like you know, a bunch of heartwarming comments from the rest mm. of the community. It's just a blow. I know how you feel, Stoney. Like you think, like okay, this guy's just gonna live forever. Right. You know they won't, but then when yeah. it happens, it hits you, man. I remember posting on Facebook, like, you know, this world. I'm a little cooler with leaving it one day now that Roddy's gone. Man, yeah. I like it that much. I've still got a shirt in there. And that's how that's how it was because I had posted that. I was like three days later. I was like, man, I don't. I still can't talk. So I don't know what's going on. But I mean, you know, that's what happens when you, you know, when you know, a it's part of your growing up. But B, you know, okay, A, Dusty was like this guy who fought in the ring. 
But at the same time, we got to see Dusty be dad to his adult kids, yeah. and Dusty was like grandpa. Yeah, to everybody. We watched it was like really? yeah, to all to of everybody. us, even like the grandpa. Divas. Even the divas, you know. So it's kind of it's kind of by time by time he passed away, years after he was done wrestling, it was kind of like losing like that that really. Oh, that uncle that you love that used to always bring you candy. Yeah. And and when your mom didn't want him to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Man. And what's so cool about the whole thing was Paige was really close to him. So, we, since we're going back to Paige lap dances, um, we had a dusty finish in, her, in a title match with her and uh, Nicole Bella. Supposedly, Paige wins the title, but it's, it pins Brie Bella. And after the match, Brie Bella unstuffs her bra with panties, but it's not Nicole. So, mm-hmm. match has to continue. Nikki Bella, come, Nikki Bella comes for the V one two three, tribute to Dusty finish. Well, you know, here you go, here you go. Maybe, maybe we go this way. Um, um, Jarrett, both birthday boys were in TNA mm. for a while, so yeah. so we could go with a Dixie Carter birthday lap dance. Hmm. That might that that's feasible. Yeah, I mean, but you might have to get me wasted. I mean, she, for that. she could do like the the freaky you know librarian takes off the glasses kind of thing. You don't or think we could do had or we do Karen thing? Angle. What's that? That's just Karen Jarrett. That's a, that's a connection. Right. We do Karen so, Jarrett. Or or we can take it all the way back to ECW with both of them kind of had a little bit. We can uh, we can do. How about how about this? How about a back then, not a back now because nobody knows. How about, You're about a back to say Missy then? Hyatt. No, I was gonna say. Uh, a Kimono Wanalea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Birthday lap dance with nothing but the towel. Perfect. I mean, if anybody has a problem with that, then you just have serious man problems. And she has a Facebook page, too. Yeah. There you go. I don't know if I, fr- I, don't know if, I, don't know if I tried to frame a question, but I'm not sure if it would be a, good, a feasible idea. All right. So, birthday boys and a first-time title winner right here. A lot of cool stuff happened today in our wrestling history. There you go. But you know what? In this week, a lot of not-so-cool stuff happened in wrestling history, too. Yeah. Like Sunday night? And that's what we're going to talk about. Well, yeah, yeah besides, but, but uh, I, don't think, I don't think we'll count that one. Uh, it, yeah. it would be in that category, it yes, but, yeah. but I don't think... What, 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 Mike's talking, in recent history, what Mike's talking about is, um, you know, as men, congregating as men, including Mr. over there, it is kind of disappointing when you congregate as men and you kind of see great balls of fire just kind of fizzle out all over the place. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking about. Um, but um, seeing that we like to talk about real wrestling, we will actually talk about yeah. a real moment in history that was a very dark moment. So dark that they actually named it after not really so much a color. A, plurif- a proliferation of all the colors put into one, right? And that day in history is referred to as... Black Saturday. Black Saturday. As dubbed by the fans. As dubbed by the fans. It was the Black Saturday. So, and for those of you that are like, what's Black Saturday? Well, first of all, then... Oh, man, you always have to love it when you see Mickey James do that hand gesture while she's in the ring. Yeah. Woo! All right. Always a big fan. Again, we're can watching we get, wrestling this. Okay, can we get her a lap dance one week? That, that, my birthday week. I, I, I love Mickey Mouse. Mine's in September if y'all see Trish. Yeah, they, ooh, yeah, so. All right, I'll so. I'll take Bailey in October. If you, uh, take Bailey. If you are not familiar with Black Saturday, then um, 
then you're not a wrestling fan. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with the uh, the day before it, which also has a similar yeah. attitude mm-hmm. tacked on. Nothing to do with shop. Nope. Yeah. So back in 1984, what you have is you have years of Georgia wrestling in the South with a lot of TV going back to the 70s of different programming. But at this time, you have... Was it Georgia World Championship Wrestling? Was it, it was already World Championship Wrestling yeah, at that point. Yeah, it was point. Georgia, and I think they changed it to World Championship. Yeah. Um, and then, so, of course, on July 7th, all the, all them wrestling fans, we down here in Georgia, we just, you know, watching our regular Saturday wrestling, hmm. and we just enjoying it. And uh, so, of course, Gordon Soley comes on. The legendary Gordon Soley, is there, there's no other. Nope. Right. No other, Miss Soley, and he's now he announces that that Columbus's Jerry Oates and is teamed up with Ronnie Garvin, and they have upset the Road Warriors for the national tag team championship. That is an upset. That's an That's upset huge, because yes. back then the Road Warriors ran over everybody, no doubt. So what you have here is you have this announcement. So already you have wheels turning. What's going to happen the next week? We have new tag team champions. The Road Warriors are going to be pissed off. Oh my God, we're going to tune in the next Saturday. Everybody tunes in to find out what's going to go on between that and everything, and all you know, like Tommy Wildfire, Rich, and everybody that they used to that they that they love, and they tune in. And Gordon's not there, but who is there? His his Mr. co-announcer, Fred Miller. Fred Miller is there. It's cool. We all love Fred, right? And Fred gets ready to announce the show, and what does Fred tell us, Will? Um, today on Georgia Championship Wrestling, I present um, Vince McMahon and the World Wrestling Federation as I turn it over to Vince McMahon. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. everybody in Redneckville Click. is watching Vince McMahon on TV. True that. And a lot of people at first might have thought, oh, well, they got that guy from up north to come call the... Because nobody knew Vince was owner or the owner's son or any of that. Yeah. Or he bought Dad out. But um, for the people that are like, what are they talking about? This is the original Monday Night War. This This is back in the day when we didn't have internet and stuff, but... Very much interesting as as it was in Monday Night War. So, for those of you who are kind of clueless, basically Vince started taking over different programming. He took over Southwest first, which for those of you who grew up when I like when I was a kid, that was you know I, I watched Sunday morning wrestling. It was either before, or right after Kung Fu Theater. So. That yeah. would prompt that, which, you know, I was a big fan of Southwest Championship Wrestling, you know, uh, particularly uh, Gino Hernandez and, and the Grapplers and stuff like that. So he took over that, but now here he is. He kind of goes behind Ted Turner's back and he kind of schemes and he finds some people who have a little bit of clout. And he buys stock from the Briscoes and a guy named Gundrop Jimmy Barnett. Mm. So this puts him in a prime position to take over the time slot on TBS. Ted Turner, Turner, 
<laughs> and those two, uh, Ted Turner and Vince, they put together a deal, and the deal is Ted Turner promises no other wrestling. Vincent Man <laughs> promises what? Original programming. Original programming. At least some original programming. He promises that it's a, an original program with original programming. Like. So to start off, after after a previous week where everybody saw their favorites, you know, probably like Tommy Wildfire, Rich, and 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 Jerry Oates and the like, Ronnie Garvin. So Vince comes out. He introduces these pre-taped matches from miles away up north, and everybody gets all excited. And the first match, which features McMahon and Tony Grion commentary, commentating over Nick DiCarlo and S.D. Jones versus Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch. Can you imagine what the Georgia history fans are, oh, or the right. Georgia fans were sitting there? And keep in mind, like, the way we know people that go to the flea market every week, there were people that went to those studios and watched, and if not, they were at their house watching on TV. Yeah. Can you imagine what they were thinking whenever on the first show where it was changed up, they saw an Adrian Adonis and, and kind of the gimmick stuff? Probably the only thing that kept them soaked in at that point was probably Dick Murdoch. Yep. Because yeah. Southern fan and Georgia fans were already familiar with Dirt Murdoch. Dirt Murdoch. Excuse me, Dirty. Dick Murdoch. Dirty to, Dick. You're trying to say Dirty Dick. Dirty, dirty Dick. Dirty Dick Murdoch. Because, you know, of his, you know. <laughs> he uh, was dirty. You know, and he tag teamed with Dusty, and, and everybody loved Dusty, you know. So, for those of you who have watched it, it's probably one of the dullest matches ever. I don't know why anybody would pick that as an opening match for anything. And, and then they have, you know, some interviews. Imagine this. Gene Okerlund comes out with Mr. Fuji and latest acquisition, George Steele. Wow, that is green tongue, yeah. and that's yeah. and that's the next thing that the fans are used to seeing the you know, the guys in the ties and the wrestlers come out to the desk and they yeah. yell at each other and they fight, and instead they see this Oriole guy in a, in a tuxedo with a hairy guy with a green tongue. They're like, "What is this?" <laughs> yeah. So of course, then that leads up to the next classic match on this program. Chris Curtis versus Jesse the Body Ventura. Ooh, wow. uh, again, another one where you and I love Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, another one though, when, with the stuff he used to come to the ring wearing, yeah. he, they had to look and go, "What is this?" Uh, you know, because uh, they were used to wrestling, wrestling. Oh yeah, and you know we were talking about original programming, right? Let's check this out. That match is from the Met Center from June seventeenth. Wow. Close to a month prior, yeah, Oakland and Monsoon calling the match. Now, now, don't get me wrong. We all, you say some of these names, you know, we we, we all love Monsoon. Oh yeah, you know Ventura, uh, Mean Gene. These are all these are all legends. Don't get us wrong, but people are tuning in to see. What they're used to seeing every week. Yeah, at the time that was like, whoa, culture shock. And, and it just cut some storyline feuds in half, you know, or mm-hmm. ended them. Like they they tuned in to see what was going to go on with Tommy and yeah, all those all those people. They all had angles they were working. Or Tommy Ted DiBiase or Brad Armstrong Ted DiBiase or whatever. It was just had they had many hot angles at that time from yeah. Georgia. And Ollie was booking most of that, right? Yes. 
Okay. Alright. And he was doing good. Damn good. He definitely knew what the Southern Wrestling fan wanted. So somewhere in the middle of all this with some interviews with some Russians, all of a sudden there's a plug for WWF Magazine. Alright. Which should be interesting because most of the people are sitting there going, what is that? Who are these people? <laughs> and so just right. as soon as... Just as soon as they say, who are these people, all of a sudden it's Ron Hutchinson versus the Iron Sheik with Freddie Blassie, which of course, if for the Southern wrestling fans who had been wrestling fans for 20, 30, 40 years, they knew who Freddie Blassie was from when yeah. he was a wrestler, and they probably knew the Iron Sheik from yes. his briefest stops in the South, but everybody's probably, who Ron Hutchinson. Yep. Yeah. I don't even know who Ron Hutchinson is. I don't either. I didn't want to be the only one in the room. Now, I, now to make the, this even more interesting about the whole original TV programming in the South, this match is not only taped, this match is taped from Canadian TV. Wasn't it, wasn't it, Stoney, correct me, wasn't that one match from the Boston Gardens? Which one? The match we were just talking about. Or was that filmed, I mean, it was off of Canadian The previous TV. one was from the Met. Okay, so the the, right, the, right. the the Ron Hutchin Iron Sheik was from is from Canadian TV tapings. Okay, but that okay. And which is interesting because here we are in Canada and everybody is chanting we want slaughter. Right. <laughs> because it's okay because we all know the Canadians really deep down really want to be Americans, right? Yeah. That might be the case. I need to go hunt down time. some Canadian wrestling one of these days. This sounds like it'd be entertaining there to you watch. Go. So hey, I don't pin him too hard. Eh? So, so I, I guess the main event, and this one, you know, uh, Mel Phillips announces this and does the whole weight thing. Pretty decent looking back for a main event. Big John Studd versus Bobo Brazil. Wow. I don't mean, even remember Bobo Brazil. I mean, what, what, what Bobo Brazil like an ancient wrestler or something? How'd they pull him out? Already at that point, yeah. I mean, they they get, they, they get him out of the old folks' home or something? <laughs> so, now, wrestlers, fans who had been fans of Georgia Championship Wrestling going back to 79-80 might have gotten a little excited at the end of the show when Vince promises that Hulk Hogan will be making an appearance on the next week's show. Only because Hulk Hogan had spent time. Oh, Hulk Hogan on the 80s. He had to live on another planet. Not under a rock. On another rock. But even at this point, even at this point, Hulk Hogan (laughs) still hadn't quite taken over. No, but he was was in the infancy. He was in the infancy. And, And... because looking back at this time period, you know, we were, we were talking about WrestleMania and Roddy Piper and all that. You know, everybody's always like, oh, they stole all these wrestlers from WWE for the whole Monday Night Wars. But, I mean, let's kind of look at it this way, okay? Piper and Valentine. Two people very integral to the beginnings of WrestleMania. Where was their classic chain match? Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling out of North Carolina, part of the NWA. Dog collar match. Dog collar yes. match, yes. That was a brutal one. Classic. Ear loss and everything. Hearing ear loss. loss. Yep. yep. That's right. <laughs> so, and legit hearing loss. And those were two of the toughest son bitches. Um, Greg Valentine doesn't get enough credit for being the toughest he was. He's still tough. He is. And I think if he still doesn't wrestle, he's wrestled or at least participated 
Until recently. Yeah. Yeah. Even though people say it looks like a cigar store in you. I will, you know. <laughs> hey, I think worse things look cool, like, right? Man. You know? He's going to keep that 80s blonde wrestling hair thing going until the engine starts knocking. Can't even hate on him. He's making money. And he was so good back in the day. Well, and I he was mean, a second generation wrestler, too. And, and <clears throat> you know, I know our program is mostly about Southern wrestling. But, you know, we have to all be serious here. You know, I mean, you know, we were talking about him buying the the Sunday after, uh, the Sunday, Sunday slot for WWF. I can remember every Sunday, you know, hoping that we didn't go to church so I could watch Sunday morning wrestling before we went and got something to eat. If I was lucky, I also got to see Kung Fu Theater. I mean, for a a kid in junior high, high school, I mean, that's like... I mean, you get some, you throw some video games there, and that's like, you know. Yeah, it's like a sick day. I mean, the Saturday morning <laughs> cartoons the day before, and best weekend ever. Heck yeah! I mean, yeah, some of us are old enough to remember when cartoons came on one day a week, Saturday. That was it. And then you get ticked off when you, the cartoons went in for a ball game or Soul Train. Or there was, or there was a storm. If you grew up like I did out in the woods, or there was a storm the night before, so the off-air antenna outside the house was just turned the wrong way, so you just couldn't, and you were only ten and couldn't do it yourself. Oh, yeah, no, we get up Saturday, and you know, by the time I came around, cartoons were starting to pop up during the week too. Oh yeah. You know, I'd get up Saturday morning and watch, you know, up until Soul Train, and it's like, oh well, that's where my fun ends. That's where we get off at this stuff. So you didn't watch Soul Train? Soul Train was awesome. Not when awesome. I was like six or seven. But. I mean, especially when I was in high school and the junior, the Jamarama Junior Achievement Dance Show came on like after it or before it. You're speaking Greek. Yeah. So, well, to give you guys, you're speaking you guys, German. German. Yeah. To give you guys a good example of why in 1984 Georgia fans, South Southern fans, would be shocked that. Georgia Championship Wrestling first weekly television series premiered on WTCG in 1972 when when Ted Turner purchased the rights to air the program from WQXI. And from that date, it aired every two or two hours, 6 to 8 p.m., and later from 6.05 to 8.05 Turner p.m. Time. Following yep. the introduction of TBS Turner Time, that's right, in 1981. Every Saturday night. In 1976, GCW became the first National Wrestling Alliance territory to earn a national cable contract. And they renamed it Superstation TBS. And so you got to think, in, in 1982, GCW became WCW. You're talking about two solid years, but you're talking about 12 years of some sort of Saturday related Georgia wrestling. Yep. And it was white hot too. That's right. Hey guys, this is Stoney from GWH TV. If you're like me and dig your wrestling old school and from the South, check out Georgia Wrestling History online for archives, current area indie shows and results plus cool discussions on GWH radio. Just visit gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com Georgia Wrestling History capturing the legends of yesterday and covering the stars of today You wanted the best, you got the best 
the hottest classic wrestling in the world, GWH on the Georgia Wrestling History Network. Classic matches, classic look, just classic. Check us out on the GWH website and at facebook.com backslash GWHTV. But let me ask you this, and y'all can debate a little bit. Um, is Vinny Mac, is he, is he wrong for taking advantage of newly discovered new technology as far as cable TV that reached from coast to coast? I mean, because every other promoter had just went to their affiliates and were, were just booming to a couple markets. And they were doing good in those markets. But can we fault Vinny Mac for having the, the foresight of going, you know what? Yeah. I want to do this from, where's his office located at? In Connecticut? Yeah. yeah. I want to do this from Connecticut to California. Well, and, no, you know. no more so than Crockett doing it out of the Carolinas and spreading over to Georgia and trying yeah. to even yeah. go up yeah. north himself. And if Cable had been... There and a tool for him, he could have done it a lot cheaper and just some negotiating savvy. And the, the, the did you know fact was actually Fritz, I think, was the pioneer of it originally, Fritz von Eric. But he oh. never took advantage of the wow. opportunities given. Vince took advantage of it. I don't it. think he wanted to really, you know what I mean? I think he did, but he didn't really like Texas was his home, you know, yeah. and he had it made. They were great, they were stars, you know. If he went coast to coast, that could have diminished the Bonner. It just sounded like he was a smart businessman at the time, like grasping for, you know, the next big thing. Von Erich or Vince? Vince. I, do, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, he's always been ahead of the game. Look at the the Monday Night Wars. He lost his – they were losing every week, but he didn't fold up shop. Well, and you, you got to think, I mean, whether you hate that day or not, you have to give credit because Vince, man, I mean, look, 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 let's, let's look, let's look what he kid. took on. Well, he took on Jack and Jerry, Jerry Briscoe, Gerald Briscoe's, who had major stakes. You had yeah. Barnett with major stakes. You had head booker Ole Anderson. Yeah. You had Gordon Soley was pretty much the NWA, the announcer he at was. the time, period. Uh, with the connection not only to Georgia, championship wrestling from Florida. Um, you know, uh, and wrestling... While it was all over the place, there was so so much in Memphis, yeah. uh, mid Atlantic wrestling. For him to say, you know what, I'm going to take my company and I'm going to invade this area where basically, while the NWA companies work together, the Southern companies really work together. Georgia, Atlanta, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte, Florida, Memphis, all worked in Alabama. All sent their wrestlers around. They were kind of like the early version of what the NWO ended up, NWA, excuse me, ended up doing. And not a sport. They were actually moonlighting and making money doing it. They were working together, camaraderie. It worked. Look at Fritz Von Erich you just mentioned. He was one of the biggest ones. He would let Flair come in, sell out Texas Stadium, keep the freaking belt, and everybody loved it. Had a great time. Now the only tense moment was Flair walking out of Texas Stadium because at the time mm. he got beat up by fans. Um, I remember some stories about throwing Duracell batteries and stuff like that. Not be surprised. But I mean, that just kind of came with it. Even people like Jim Cornette's been beat up by the fans. But yeah, I mean, he would sell at Texas Stadium. What you're talking about, Stony bringing in a hothead from mm. another place, and they would have the Von Erichs who were hot. And what's hotter than a bill like that? 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I mean, you had so much hot angles in that world class, even though it's not way off the pass. I mean, you had the Von Eric Freebirds, then you had anybody facing the player was hot. Yeah. Well, and, and you and you kept it fresh. Yeah. Because I mean, no matter how good somebody is, after a while, you kind of it kind of gets old and stale. You send them somewhere else, where by then it's you know here it doesn't matter now. Yeah. In this day and age, no, you, could, you could flip on the TV and watch all of them. Back then. Yeah. You in other in other areas, your only choice was to read about it in a magazine, yeah. and you were like, "God, that'd be cool. I'd like to see so and so." And the next thing you know, He's they're in, they're in your area. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you had you had you had some exceptions. The Von Ericks until later on really didn't leave. They didn't Texas, other than maybe Japan. Jerry Lawler didn't. He was mainly in Memphis. He didn't leave yeah. as often. You know. You, as the chance, Ric Flair would go from place to place to place. Yeah. The NWA champion, for that matter. Yeah. yeah. Flair, I would call the Globe Trotter for real. I mean, it was everywhere. I mean, Harley Race. I mean, if you were the NWA champion, you were everywhere. The only person Ric Flair didn't go moonlight and fight another champion was Hulk Hogan in the WWF at the time, or WWF at the time. I mean, he did have matches against Backlund. So did Harley Race. Yeah. Well, you know. When people talk about wars and taking over TV, it wasn't too long after that 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 they also added Tuesday Night Titans. Yep. On USA. Um. Actually, wasn't Tuesday Night Titans right before Vince did this? Didn't he have? It was that? all part of that time period between that and and acquiring Sunday uh, Sunday mornings. Maybe Southwest Sunday mornings. I know he had an hour or maybe two hours on USA Network every week, which was national. Definitely had Sunday morning. Okay, he got okay, Southwest that's Championship it. Wrestling, that's uh, it. and he just won all, it all American night. Wrestling was the program that they put on Sundays. And the thing about All American Wrestling, you, if you remember correctly, I'm Stoney probably probably remember this, but if I'm not mistaken, they, didn't they have like he would actually the first few weeks of it show other promotions. He actually, I, I think he actually did. Recall. He did. So he had like he would have a match from mid south. He would show world class. He had different from. He was showing them from different territories. Yeah. But what well, we didn't know till we know now that he was scouting for talent. Yeah. Well, you know, he had within a year or so he added uh, WWF Championship Wrestling, <clears throat> WWF All Star Wrestling, and like we had mentioned, Tuesday Night Titans yeah. on USA, which later became Primetime Wrestling on Monday. Yeah. One of the most greatest shows, Bobby Heenan and Gorilla. So he finally he finally got the thing, and of course, you know, he had the issue with Turner wondering, "Hey, why are you sending me all this tape stuff from all these these house shows from Madison Square Garden, Boston Garden?" And then finally, like a year later, almost a year later, they started airing in studio matches. Yeah. From Atlanta, and pretty much like you were talking about, you you might as well have had like the two indie wrestlers down the street, pretty much wrestling each other. Yeah, for real. Really, no big stars. Miller uh, uh, and Gorilla Monsoon doing play by play. I'm gonna plastic. If I was to read anything into this, Will, you probably know more. You could probably correct me. But um, I don't know, because he had already tried to get it from Turner once. He had tried this once, and Turner was like, no. And um, so then he went back to his drawing board, found out that there were four owners, went and bought out three of them and come yeah. back, and, and he did it. Um, I just think that maybe when he come back and bought them out, 
maybe he didn't know if it was going to go down. Maybe he didn't re- know the reality of it, how, how much it would come to fruition, and maybe he wasn't ready, you know what I mean, to air original programming down here in the South. So a little hiccup. But that's never stopped Vinny from going ahead with business. You yeah. know what I mean? He's He'll be 72 next month. He still looks forward. Yeah. You know? And here's the thing, too, when you to add on to your story. You're right about all of that, Michael, but the fact of the matter is the issue was Barnett couldn't stand Ole Anderson. So he went right uh, to Vince. He, he, I think he liked what Vince was right. doing or something. He just wanted to – I think Barnett was kiss-up. And then uh, – and Barnett and then apparently the Briscoes were promised something in – WWF, so that's probably why they that's may have been why they sold their stocks. So there was some ulterior motive to those them selling their stocks. Didn't know he had a beef with Ole or anything, but yeah, a, a common enemy will get you a long way. But you know, Ole kind of stayed in the, in the fray because he what is it uh, uh, the championship wrestling from Georgia or whatever in Macon that he yeah, kind yeah. of threw together at the spur of the moment to make up for the loss of. Those stars being on TV, yeah, and it did good for a while. Well, some, some, there was some good programming that we've showed. Junkyard Dogs, some matches on our and Jerry Lawler and Jimmy you know, Valiant, and just a quick little fun fact: my grandfather Garrett, my dad's dad, um, on Garrett's Carpet Center in East Dublin, Georgia, and they sponsored those on the weekends, every weekend at Macon Coliseum. So the the, the interesting part is, is you bump up like a year later after. He finally, Vince finally does all the, the original programming and stuff, and but nobody's watching. Yeah. Vince is losing money. So once again, goes to his buddy Jim Bardent, says, hey, what can I do? He hooks him up with then NWA president Jim Crockett Jr., who owns Jim Crockett Promotions. A legend. And then, so what ends up happening? This guy who's promoted wrestling in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina... He's trying. He's trying to off balance the WWF, moving all over the place himself. Sees an opportunity, and ends up getting buying the time slot from a man, and ends up using the same studio, the one we know and love so much on our program. Mm-hmm. And in turn, Vince gets out of his deal, salvages. What do they say? Licks his wounds. Yeah. Yep. And in the process of licking his wounds. WrestleMania. So that twenty something off. So basically, so basically, Vince, Vince, what do they said? Went around the block to go ten feet. Yeah, basically. <laughs> they basically when he was coming in with Big John Stud and all those in the beginning, I think because he didn't have anything really prepared that he just started promoting WrestleMania one, which should have been because how much money did they throw at that? Was, was that the one in two different cities or was it WrestleMania two? WrestleMania two was like in three. In three of Chicago. New York, Madison Square. Like, we've around. never seen that in the South before. Yeah. Yeah. But that was crazy. Back in that day, it was probably very complicated. A um, million dollars to purchase on that? I'm going to say that was a lot of money at the time. For something out of Macon, Georgia, to spend a million dollars on it? That's yeah. crazy. That yeah. also means you're loaded. I could just I could just see Oli back then, though. You know, Oli's, you know, Oli's got this great booking slot. Uh, this is a legendary place, and all of a sudden he's finding out the next week, blah blah blah. I can see Oli. That's the shits. <laughs> you got oh, that right. That's the shits. Chat. Well, I guess all that stuff um, culminated good times, bad times, and just made him really mean. Because if you've ever seen a shoot interview with him, and he's done a few, 
He is mean. He's not Iron Sheik mean, but I mean, he is very bitter. Oh, he's shit. That's all it is. See, that's you know what we really need is we just really need like a, you know, they have table for three. Yeah. We need Ole Anderson, Iron Sheik, and we can find somebody else to hang out with him at the table. That uh, would be like. I don't think Iron Sheik's fit for the network. I think it'd be awesome. Well, you could bleep, bleep every five minutes. We uh, you would hear anything. We bleeped out Ole on our program that's, for like yeah. fifteen minutes. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ole is. Ole is. Yeah. I don't think you would get anything but adverbs if you did that with she. Probably right. It's possible. I mean, Jesus, maybe a preposition or two. But you never, you never know. I mean, you know, it could be a humbling experience for all the listeners. Yep. All the viewers, you know. Just to kind of like like sidestep for a second, Ozzy Osbourne always says that he prefers to watch his reality show from like America versus over in in the UK because we bleep out everything and he finds that funny. It's just like, it's funny It's funny to hear myself talk and everything. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. So, there is some, there, there is apparently some uh, value to the censorship. There is, and actually, not to so. get so far off the topic, but um, I've noticed in the past two years that even shows on ABC at primetime, Goldbergs and other shows, Black whatever I happen to watch, there's always one part where they like bleep out an F-bomb. And they'll even like digitize the mouth that says it sometimes oh, yeah. to kind of add to the censorship, and I think people like that. Like, like Kenny was saying, I, it's, it's yeah. edgy. Well, yeah. it's well, it's kind of like back it's in the, that it's kind of like back in the day, going to the hotel and switching the channel and trying to like see the naked bodies through like the lines <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Showtime let's, or whatever. Let's get an X. Man, I know, man. Oh. Oh, somebody's doing it. I know it. Somebody's doing it. <laughs> I hear noise. Build a TV antenna out of coat hangers. And maybe All my friends talk signal. about that, but again, we didn't have cable. I was yeah. like 14. So, Will, tell me, <laughs> is there anything that Vince could have done with that program that might have, could have peeled? Because nobody, at, at, least for a, at least for a few weeks, there was no other wrestling. Is there anything that Vince could have done to make it appeal to the people that flipped on that day? And said, "What the fuck? Anything?" He could have had more. Of the, he could have had some of the Georgia stars. Granted, he did have some, but they were mostly house shows, mid card, opening match filler types. I mean, he had the spoiler as the national champion. He had Les Thornton, the man, the other man of a thousand holds, as the junior heavyweight champion, and he had Mister Wrestling too. I mean, those were some pretty. I mean. Spoiler was a marketable star. Mr. Wrestling 2 was a marketable star, but he didn't really do much. But I think Wrestling who had left after WrestleMania. And the fact of the matter is, he used more of the Georgia stars. That's what he should have done. Yeah. Utilized more. I don't know about our buddy Tommy Rich. Um, that, I don't know. Um, I just couldn't see. I just couldn't have seen Vince McMahon and Tommy Rich in a conversation. Hi, Vince. Want to take a ride in my Camaro? Oh, my God. I mean, come on. That just wouldn't have worked. And especially him with Stephanie. Stephanie, you want to ride the Corvette? I mean, that would have been, like you said, if, classic, man. If there was a way that he could have slowly integrated a match or two with WWF people into that show and kind of got the people kind of accustomed to the character and everything like that and the storylines, it would have worked. <laughs> but I don't think that was possible. I don't think it was an option. Well, and vice versa. I mean, half these wrestlers have bounced back and forth. I mean, he probably could have just as easily as had some of uh, he could have utilized some of the Georgia wrestlers on WWE pro, WWF programming true or mm-hmm. probably the smart thing would have been have at least a match shown here and a match shown up there even the same match 
where it would have been a wrestler from up there versus a wrestler from down here. You know, one like like Jesse the Body Ventura taking on Tommy Wildfire yeah. or Wahoo McDaniel or oh, or something like that. But I would have watched that. Oh, yeah, I would have watched that. Watch I would have watched the hell out of that. Yeah. Oh gosh! Because it. think about it. I mean, the big thing back then was dream matches because it was. everything was so everything was so territorial. You know, it's for years. You know, Hulk Hogan. Who's better, Hulk or Flair? Flair. You know, so. I mean, that's the thing. You don't have no more. It's the main event match after these. I mean, you had your squash matches, but this main event was a dream match. Yeah. I mean, you you got your dream match. You would get your uh, back in the WWF. You would get say. Um, King Kong Bundy versus Junkyard Dog or something like that. Or, if you got lucky, you got Hulk Hogan versus Big John Studd main event. Well, it's like we were watching, you know, we were talking about the matches, you know, that July 14th. I mean, imagine, okay, the match they showed was me. I mean, imagine Adrian Donis, Dirty Dick Murdoch, taking on the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. Could have worked. You know, oh, even gosh. the Road Warriors. <clears throat> You know, I mean, there are so many things you... Of course, I mean, I guess, you know, contracts mean what they are. I guess it's not all it's cut in. We can sit here and say, you could have done this, you could have... But we weren't there. We don't know legally exactly. what that would have taken. But, but you, I say it may you, not still have to, you still have to wonder if, if Vince could have done more. But we also know, you know, we were talking about July 7th. Yeah. In seven days There's later. a program, and then July 14th, there's a whole different program. So we don't know. Chances are it took longer than that week, but we never know. That might have all happened in a week. If it all happened in a week, you know, really, you really have a choice other than to show. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Also, how, do you, how do you say, you? Know, oh, we're in a week, we're going to move our own television crew down there, and we're going to go ahead and set up matches say, just like that. Production is not like it is today. Production no. then, like, they had to take the truck to Macon Coliseum to do that stuff and sit outside the, I'll run all the cables, yeah. like, a week before. Oh, yeah, and in that time period, I mean, we could have, you know, we could have sent, we could have sent uh, Kenny here down there with his smartphone, and we could yeah. take the audio here, and we could at least have some crude match. Exactly. Put together, mm-hmm. you know, we, you send the four of us down there with four different smartphones. We got four different camera angles, and we just time to mix it. Yeah. But yeah. back then, you know, you that you're talking about having to lug all this huge equipment, mm-hmm. you know, and send down people who are not used to the studio that they're working at. It's just not conducive to and, and not, quality no, programming in a week. No offense, but we're four knuckleheads running a podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> We do this. Stoney knows how to do it. He sets this thing up in like four minutes. There's no way. No. Back in the day, mm-hmm. I mean, the technology, the people, the I mean, the stuff you had to know. We've actually are at the age where, luckily, we've kind of grown into this technology thing. But well, and you don't, and you, and you don't just, you don't just film and then send, you know, a video yeah. to the TV station. You know, I mean, there's editing to be done. It's got to be done a proper, you know, proper setup. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know, it's not like you could just go, okay, I'm going to put this on like six hours and I'm going to take the worst quality and then I'm just going to send you the tape and you just shove it in and play it like it is. Yeah. You know, doesn't matter. You could be paying the station like 20 grand for that time slot and they still want to show some quality. All right. The Dragon versus Chad. Now, this is a whole different show now, though. Honestly. What we were watching earlier. So, oh, man. So. 
Flax Saturday. Yes. Any other questions and thoughts on Black, Black Saturday? Saturday? Um, I want to say it was the prequel. Um, it started and festered uh, the uh, thing that years later, whenever Bischoff came to Ted Turner and was like, "I want to compete against." Of course, Ted Turner wanted to. <laughs> you know, he had he had got a real slap in the face, you know, earlier and been done wrong pretty much by three of his business partners that he trusted a lot. Yeah, and what. Uh, one of those Briscoes became like really good friends with Vince and Shane's godfather. So I mean that, or actually not because actually it was Jerry. It might have been one of the, the kids. Could, you could, you could, could be right. Could have been one of uh, Stephanie or Shane's kids. Right, but it kind of worked into like it was a business relationship strictly, bit, and then it quickly became like this is one of Vince's friends. You know, like Pat Patterson and a few others. Vince doesn't have notoriously too many close friends. Um, he has a bunch of people. Well, yeah. and you and you add to, you add to the fact that it's obvious <laughs> from years of always supporting it and always trying to make sure that he has it on his 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 TV. Yeah, you know it's it's obvious that because it didn't always do good business. It's obvious that Turner was a fan. Yeah, of of the wrestling. He was because otherwise he wouldn't have continued to really really push for it even when it was yeah. crap. Or not drawing and throw money. He would throw money at it. Yeah. I mean, think about all the money he threw during the Monday Night Wars just oh, to keep man, going. Both I mean, sides. You know, I'm sure he, he started off as a fan wanting to do the wrestling. But I'm, yeah, you're right. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure uh, Vince being on the other side didn't hurt. It didn't. The money being thrown in there. But I think Vince did it right. Well, uh, he did do it right. Let's look at what yeah. we're right now. But at the same time, when uh, Ted and, and Eric had hyped Ted up, to, you know, and what night of week he wanted, he's like, well, let's go up against him on Monday, you know? Yeah. Well, I bet it wasn't as a hard of a sell as Bischoff kind of makes it out to be on the Monday Night Wars on the network yeah. and stuff. Ted was probably like, okay. Even if I lose money on this, I'm taking money away from Vince. You know, I'm yeah. hurting Vince's product. So, he's probably, okay, let's do it. Let's do whatever you want. Um, I will say that Vince, he was in a war, but at the same time, he was still business-minded because people were like, hey, just match what they're offering me and I'll stay. And he's like, I can't do it. Yeah. You know, I can't do it. And at the end of the day, he I can't did, do it. I got to have the, money for the XFL. <laughs> he put the, the business ahead of friendships and stuff even if it was the heart uh, Bret Hart but just saying the Hart family and Vince were very tight so and all the people we let go I mean he didn't want to let Kevin Nash go to damn WCW he didn't want I mean, what was his name <coughs> Diesel yeah he's one of the biggest dudes in WWF he didn't want to lose him or Scott Hall but he, he was smart about it but for those that don't know about Black Saturday that's listening they can kind of see how it, it may have put a little fuel to the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, but then also, too, what's so good about the Black Saturday, even when he took over those territories, he actually, not the talent, but like the ones that were booking behind, he promised them jobs. Vince did have some, he may have put those aggressors out of work, but the main bookers and maybe some other, he gave them jobs. I mean, quote-unquote, the Briscoes in Georgia, um, the Hearts, that's how Bret Hart and Jim Knighthart came to WWE was when he got Stampede. And I think Bruce had done, I think the other hearts worked backstage, I think, for Vince at one point. Yeah. As shrewd as he is and, and as vicious as he can be, he will always do the right thing. Like anybody coming back, like, like good lord, the ultimate warrior who put yeah. a gun to his head, 
you know what I mean? And I think Vince thought it was unloaded the whole time, but after the whole thing, somebody picked it up and was like, holy shit, you know? Mm. So he even let him come back. He's done a lot of things that we all thought he would never do. <clears throat> I mean, the Rock and Roll Express this year with Jim Cornette and, and Dutton him. Oh, yeah. That was, I, I never thought I'd see that. Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> me either, but I don't think the Rock and Roll Express like hated Vince or anything. Yeah, I mean, they did have a one, a couple of one shots in 93 yeah. and 97 with them, and Cornette was actually part of the booking committee in WWF. Yeah. So, you know, looking at, um, this is one thing I've always tried to look at, and look at thinking of Monday Night Wars, and we're all old enough to remember the Monday Night Wars. Unfortunately. And something that nobody ever talks about is, and let's see who can remember this, because I've tried to remember this, Okay. Of the two programs that aired up against each other on Monday night, that would be Nitro and Monday Night Raw, which one repeated afterwards on Monday night? Nitro. Yeah, Nitro. Nitro. Come on, back to back. Which, of course, was a smart thing because if you were struggling head-to-head, you have no competition afterwards. But at the same time, if people can watch you afterwards... You know, they're more apt, which is I, which is what I, I did, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I would watch one and then flip it over and watch the other. And Vince can never afford to buy another two-hour block from USA. <laughs> yeah. No way. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, that's the difference between buying your slot and the wrestling company owner owning the slot. Yeah. Owning the whole station. The shebang. Yeah, so. I mean, here's the thing. Raw was, they said Raw was recorded at one point then it went live and then the fact of the matter is the big turnaround in 98 when the ratings changed and WWF became back to number one was when Tony Schiavone pretty much gave away the Mick Foley finish yeah. <laughs> that was that was stupid and everybody watched it yeah. and you know the, the funny thing the funny when you look back at that you know there's so much criticism giving, given towards Vince McMahon of, of taking it from being you know uh a kayfabe thing and, and kind of killing that whole thing and WCW was still supposed to be that we're that old school wrestling we're old school but is it really old school to turn around on live TV uh, no, by the 90s, and tell the other there was, there was no old school but still I mean they, they were still acting old school they, they were, were still claiming old school do you remember uh, them making fun of each other, like the Larry King skit? Oh, yeah. Remember that? And then uh, the way they would always say, if you want to watch that wrestling channel or something like that, and they would just make fun of the southern redneckish part of it. And, the Nacho Man. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that I think was like really dumb, um, when I saw it live, I didn't think so, but just kind of corny was the Nitro Girls. Yeah. I was like, okay, we don't need that. But again, this is... They're in the war, so they were going to yeah. try anything. Yeah. So at the end of the day, Black Saturday was not is, is not given a name Black Saturday just for fun. It's obviously meant to be a very negative, dark connotation. Yeah. And at the time, okay, so here we are, years and years later, we've had time to really look back and see what's happened since then. Now looking back, Black Saturday. Good, bad, or didn't really make a difference? Um, pissed a lot of people off and didn't really make too much yeah. of a difference. Um, not really a cultural impact on the business. 
but it could it, it could have not happened and things could have still panned out the yeah. way that they did. I think it made a lot of people mad at Vince and the WWF, yeah. the Northern Wrestling, that they were enjoying the ever living hell out of their storylines, their Tommy Wildfire, their yeah. everybody. They were loving it, and then all of a sudden, boom! And of course, they called it Black Saturday. You know, it was a dark day. You know, whenever you know their rabbit ears didn't reach up the north to get yeah. other wrestling. And then the fact of the matter is, too, you've got that kills the territory because for one they were used to having their night of wrestling in this town that killed it yeah Yeah. true it did kill it and the the whole morale Mm. yeah because it's about this time period that when we talk about here in Augusta Georgia it's about this time this what several decades of Monday Night Wrestling pretty much came to an end right there in the middle of the 80s and um, and we talked about this not too long ago when we were talking about different stadiums how you know in Atlanta they you know with where the Omni is they keep rebuilding a new stadium every 20 years and we have the Bell Auditorium that's still standing and being utilized more than ever just Mm -hmm. not really for wrestling yeah, true. And I if anything, I bet you if you put wrestling in the bell, it'd sell out. I bet you it'd be a lot better than it would be a lot better than when we went to see it at the James Brown Arena. And what's really Gosh. amazing too, I remember the they had that ECW card, which did better gate wise than a WWE card during the Attitude Era. Yeah. Because I was I worked for the arena staff and I worked that ECW show. The only time it came in, but it was packed, sold out. People were outside trying to get in. Never saw that WWE. And that was where. At the, uh, the Bell, they had an ECW uh, card. I went to a, a, like some kind of UFC thing with Tank Abbott there one time. Oh, gosh. Was, uh, I forget what the name of it was, but uh, it did okay. But I did go to a Nitro in Augusta, and uh, I think it was sold out at JBA, or, or Augusta Civic Center at the time. Yeah. Um, this is the one where, what's her name, threw the belt in the trash? But, oh, yeah, Medusa. Yeah. All right, well, before we get out of here, I'm going to throw uh, one last question at you guys, because we kind of... You know, we realize wrestling still goes on. Well, maybe we don't have that same wrestling in the South. Other than the fact that I am going to mention August 12th in Thompson, Georgia, Viral Pro Wrestling celebrates their one-year anniversary. At the Sweetwater Gym at Sweetwater Park. And WCW fans want to let you know Buff Bagwell will be in attendance, and I believe he's also going to be... Flexing some muscle. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Signings and photos, and so come out and see him. Come, uh, the, We'll be there. we got some grudge matches, an intergender match. Six will be defending the VPW Championship match against Chris Main in an I Quit match, which there's few things more Southern than an I Quit match. That is so Southern that <laughs> it's all good get out. But... That being said, I'm going to throw this at you guys because we're going to have one little small snippet of now before we head on out here. We saw this last pay-per-view. It was... Okay, so going forward, and I'm going to go around the, I'm going to go around here. Mike, your hope for the hot wrestler in WWF right now in the upcoming weeks? My hope? Your hope. The hot wrestler. Who's the hot wrestler? Who you want to see? Who do you think is going to be? Uh, congratulations to Gainville, Georgia's AJ Styles for winning the U.S. Championship at a house show. Woo-hoo. That's not every day. That was great. I kind of felt a swerve in there, but that was great. Um, 
Mm. I want. I'm, I'm curious about Elias Sampson. I like his his ability in the ring. I like his build, and I want to get to know his character a little more. Mm-hmm. I think he's got the potential to be big. And, and and he and he while he's while he's coming up on the losing end, he's yeah. made a really good showing in in the matches he's putting in against he marquee names. Yeah, yes. and not the three minute matches. They've been pretty pretty long. What about you, Will? Hmm, I don't know. Um, it's it's tough to tell who I think. Um, really, I gotta go with Finn Balor. I, I like his I yeah. like his gimmick. I like his style. I like how he wrestles. He's just over with the crowd. It's just the injury really derailed him last year, and it's just it's like the crowd. He's when he's wrestling, the crowd is into it. I mean, he doesn't mess up many moves. I mean, he's I mean, he tells a good story. His wrestling ability is unreal. Uh, I do kind of hope for the Bullet Club thing, as long as it's not Kenny Omega. Don't give me never mind. And no, even though he's a pretty boy, he is tough as hell. Kenny Omega, but I think Kenny Omega's hot spot right now is with uh, Cody. What's mm-hmm. going on with Cody Rhodes? From what I understand, did y'all happen to see last week? The, I think Kenny Omega had like a five star match. He's cool. had quite a few. Yeah. So. As long as it's not wrestling like a little girl or blow up doll. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, they don't call it entertainment for nothing. Just don't let Jim Cornette know. There you go. So, I would say on my end, hmm, it's really tough. The last few shows have been kind of hmm, pay per views or just shows. Just, just yeah, I would. I would say. I, I would. I think I would agree a little bit with both of those. Um, I would say it's more what I don't want to see. And I, I'm getting to where I'm, I'm wanting less and less to see some of the, the, the women wrestling just because it's yeah. just turning into cat fight thing. There's really no good storylines going on there, and, and, and that kind of bites. Um, what I think needs to happen is uh, we have The Miz with his entourage. Instead of having one of those things where they take on like two other tag teams... I think what we need to do is uh, 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 Brizongo needs to somebody needs to like Dean Ambrose needs to make them his entourage, right? And then maybe we can bring back the six man tag team titles. Right. I am hoping Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas somewhere a little it won't be soon, but somewhere down the line do like a a heel turn on Miz, and then they up their level. Oh yeah. I think the other I thought one they were heels already. Or up their stock. Well, yeah. a heel on Miz. You know, turn against Miz. Some people love Miz. Some people don't like Miz, you know. He's definitely the heel, but I mean, yeah, he's drawing money. And I would say other than that, I'm not sure what they're going to do with him, but I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Big Cass and because there's a lot of potential there, but even more so to see what they do with Enzo. Yeah. Because um, I always felt like they they kind I feel like they kind of buried Enzo by always making him not be able to win unless Cass saves his ass. Yeah. But I always thought if Cass went heel, I always thought Enzo would be the perfect manager. Maybe for he's got Cass. the mic skills. So yeah, he definitely can cut guys. It's, it's, he's great on the stick. And somebody who needs to come back and needs to get back more in the spotlight because he's so good. And I'm going to throw it to you guys out here by doing this. Oh, man. That's good. 
I, I thought for sure he's holding up an Xavier Coca-Cola bottle. I thought Zero. for sure. There was a time about four months ago or so, right before they before they switched the brands and everything, where he was doing singles matches. Of course, his new day was outside. Do you, you remember Stoney and can you, y'all remember like he he did a new move where he goes to the turnbuckle, walks out kind of like the Undertaker, but yeah. not holding anybody's hands, jumps clear across the ring. I think I saw that and everything. I thought, okay, he's getting ready for a singles career because his yeah. he was just yeah. he was killing it in in the ring. It's like I've never seen before out of him. Yeah, I think the coffee injury kind of killed that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. there were. I mean, but but the new day thing, I like it. So yeah. whatever. I mean, they're so hot. It's so hot. I mean, it's white hot. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I guess it is about time to wrap it up because I don't know about you guys, but you know, it's a uh, hooker and blow night at the. At the Kenny J household, um, you thought I was going to say my household, and of course, you know he's got a whole library of uh, some of magnificent Moolah's unseen movies to go enjoy. <laughs> so, um, but you want to take us out? Um, it, well, first of all, we want to mention: make sure you catch the video show every Monday on YouTube. Yep, it, it uh, the blog post sits at seven a.m. on Monday morning, but sometimes you can catch it. Uh, between midnight and then if you go to the YouTube channel itself. And he knows that because not only does he talk, he's the one that does all the work. Yep, right it goes up every Sunday night. Just about every Sunday. Last week we took a break. But. Sunday night. So, yeah. hey, Will Wheeler, thanks once again. All right. Michael Garrett. I'm Stoney. And I'm Kenny. And take us out. Yep, thanks for coming out, checking out our show. We will see you Again, next Friday night at 7-ish. And check us out Monday morning again. And come on out on August 12th to the VPW Infection 2 show. It's their anniversary show. And I suppose everybody have a good night. Stay safe. Have a good weekend. Don't do anything too insane. And we'll catch you next time. There you go. Rock and roll. All right. Hey, man, you can pull out the hookers and blow now. All right. (laughs) Woo! Fucking like a birthday! To be the man, you gotta beat the man! We'll beat the work for being a little man! Atlanta, GA, Hotlanta is the Freebirds town, man! Thank you. Thank you very, very much. A very spirited crowd here today at the Television Sports Arena. 